We would like to acknowledge and respect the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording as its original custodians, along with their customs, traditions and their special relationship with the land. Sovereignty was never ceded. I wonder if these guys would be like the ones, the enemies when you turn the corner and they're the ones that you like shit yourself over. Welcome to Switched On, an entertainment podcast by Swinburne University's The Standard. I'm your host, Emily Spindler, and today we're recapping on the last year in Australian video games. This week, we're talking to Standard Gaming Section Editor Tim Bottoms. My name's Tim Bottoms. I'm the gaming editor here at Swinburne for The Standard. I'm currently studying media and communications in journalism. I'm Emily Spindler. I'm the games host of Switched On and the co-editor of The Standard. As far as my favourite Australian game, that's a real tricky one to pinpoint because I feel like there is both so many and so few. Um, I would probably have to say that one of my favourites is Frog Detective and the Haunted Island. Uh, it's a game that came out in 2018. Hilarious, fantastic, love it. Favourite Australian game. I have just done a profile on John Che, the um, Australian founder of Irrational Games, uh, who headed the two, the Australian division of that branch and made Bioshock. So maybe I could class that. I don't know. I feel like that's a real stretch. On our episode today, we're obviously talking about kind of what sort of year it's been like for Australian video games. So it's sort of a loose year. We're going the last half of 2020 through to now and then also looking ahead. So I guess I wanted to start by chatting about maybe the game you're most excited for that's coming out soon or soonish. Oh, there's a few. Um, Broken Roads definitely piqued my interest right away. Uh, especially like just like the just the randomness the fact that it's like being developed by um, a team in Torquay which is one you never hear about it's always like the blanket just Melbourne but yeah just like the idea of like a very very Australian kind of all-out homage is a pretty like pretty novel idea I think yeah for sure that's coming out next year I believe if I remember correctly I thought it was really interesting that they chose to set it in well the fact that they actually chose a specific area of Australia, because sometimes when you look at video games, whether they're made here or globally and they're set in Australia, it's just kind of Australia. It's not like this one, which is set in WA, which I think is a really interesting choice because of the the kind of ability to play on the isolation and the separation between the towns. Like I know in the trailer, they talk about yeah. the next town over is like 200 kilometers away and you passed the last town like three days ago, which I thought was, I think it'll be really, really cool. Did you have a bit of a look into the moral compass system that they're going with at all? Um, I haven't yet, but I imagine it's like the kind of, I don't know, I guess it's like probably like Witcher free kind of like classic fallout. those like really arbitrary moral choices and stuff. Like very, yeah. very, not black and white, very kind of grey, difficult choices pretty much with severe consequences. At least that's what the trailer seems to build up. Yeah, so I looked into this one a bit more and they're essentially going with this 360 degree shifting wheel compass system. So basically you can make 
any number of choices, but they have to align with the personality that you've kind of chosen for your character, which you choose by answering a number of moral quandaries at the start of character creation, which I thought was interesting. And essentially each choice that you make, you're kind of stuck with the choices that are similar enough to your personality that it would make sense. But also as you make slightly off-center choices, the wheel will shift and change your personality permanently. So it's a really, really interesting concept. And I'm super excited to see what Drop Bear Bites does with it. I did also want to touch on, because obviously Broken Roads is, in my mind, I think of it as kind of, it's almost leaning into that like Mad Max kind of vibe. And I know a lot of people kind of, when they think of Australian games, they might think of, you know, Mad Max or that just like the super kind of Ocker Australian accent in a game. Like there's... I think Australian media in general. Yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. So I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on what it is that makes a quintessentially Australian game or a game that has like Australian flavour, so to speak. I'd say that's, that's definitely ingrained in it. That's kind of like our cultural foundation, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I'd say it's really kind of surface level though. Like it's very, it's very easy to kind of like almost parody that. Like you think of the Simpsons episode when they go to Australia and it's just nonstop, all that kind of thing. Or like Crocodile Dundee, like oh, not being able to use an, um, an escalator and all that kind of thing. I don't know. I guess you could, you could take advantage of that kind of aesthetic pretty easily, but I'm not so sure it kind of makes an Australian game. Like there's the tie of the Tasmanian Tiger games, those old platformers from the 2000s. You take away like that kind of like the voice acting and the environment and just that ideal. And it's just like any other kind of platformer. So I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely a tricky one. And I think as we delve into a few of the games that have come out in the last year or are coming out soon, I get this sort of like feeling that they definitely feel Australian, but maybe not so much in that kind of, it's in an Australian environment kind of way, which I think is super interesting to think about. It's almost kind of like, like brushing it under the rug. It's like uh, almost like a nationalist neutrality in a lot of ways. They're just not really like bringing their Australianism to the forefront, at least in terms of the actual presentation. I do find it actually interesting with some of the games, like Enchanted seemed very uh not gameplay wise but like the presentation like the narration voices and everything the tone i guess it felt very american to me i don't know if you felt the same way but like it was like the only one that really seemed to maybe because they had a very overtly like american kind of narration as far as enchanted which is by dragon bear studios from melbourne i definitely agree watching the trailer it definitely seems quite american as far as you know the accents that are used however This is a game that I have been following pretty closely since maybe January this year. And as far as everything else that's going into it, it definitely feels distinctly Australian once again. So obviously there's a big focus on Indigenous culture around the game. So there's a First Nations character in it. They have hired a bunch of Indigenous game designers to really inform the game. Um, Even... Yeah, even to their music, which is like absolutely fantastic when you listen through it. So um, I actually spoke to Mina Shamali, who is one of, who is the composer sort of dealing with all of the music in the game. And he sourced all of these Indigenous musicians who weren't working in games originally and has brought them into the medium. And um, 
he's created something that it's just so interesting to listen to. So it's got kind of those like fantasy, like overcooked type music to it. But then you can hear like the Yidaki, which is the actual word for didgeridoo. And you can hear all these kind of Indigenous instruments and sounds throughout that kind of fantasy music and it's this really nice meld if you're not listening for it in just the short trailer it can be hard to pick up on but I feel like when the game is fully out it'll be a lot more overt what did you think of um Necrobarista Necrobarista is a game that I remember trialing at I think the 2017 PAX Indie Showcase so it was a very long time ago and I remember being super interested by the concept I loved the idea of the kind of terminal where the people go to die and then they sort of deal with all the memories and stuff it's not something that I've followed as closely since I I love that the actual studio Route 59 is named after the tram line that runs through like towards the CBD which I think is interesting but um Definitely, it's been a long time coming and I know there was quite a bit of hype around it, but I've not seen, I guess, too much about it recently. What were your thoughts on Necrobarista? Well, that one really uh, surprised me, actually, because I saw like instantly like a lot of like anime kind of Japanese connotations in there with the design and everything. It was very kind of like Killer7, Pseudo51 uh, Pseudo kind of stuff like that. So like very dynamic and um, like probably the most dynamic out of all those games um from our list yeah definitely and I mean I'm always a sucker for visual novels of any kind anyway which is how it's described kind of loosely so I was super keen for it it's just one that I've not been able to try out yet but I do love kind of yeah see games that are a lot more dynamic because you get a lot of games that are kind of slow paced and methodical and that's really fantastic I love those but I also love games where it's kind of like all over the place yeah I did also want to get your thoughts on another upcoming game that's been getting a lot of hype. So it was announced at Gamescom, Cult of the Lamb by Massive Monster. Uh, So they're based in both Melbourne and the UK, but we'll stick with the Melbourne side of it for now. But um, No bias whatsoever. No, not at all, not at all. Um, What what are your thoughts on Cult of the Lamb? Um, I didn't really go near that one a whole lot for a little while. And then when I finally saw it, actually, I was really blown away by, like, the level of polish and quality for that one. Like it kind of felt like, um, I don't know, just like mixing all these different kind of previous games and like influences. Like I saw a lot of like Don't Starve in there. Yeah, like all these Lovecraftian kind of like monstrosities mixed in there. In there, <laughs> It looks far more expansive than you would probably initially think. Like from the first few moments of gameplay, I was like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, I wasn't quite sure what to make of it. And then like slowly but surely more and more elements and mechanics kind of opened up. The Standard recently put an article out on that one, didn't we? Yeah, uh, so Mitchell Glynn reported on it when it first came out and it's definitely continued to gain traction since. Um, I really like the blend of genres. So it's kind of like a dungeon crawler, a base builder, a colony manager. And also the idea of a bunch of cute little animals being part of this Lovecraftian cult is just it's really something not to harp on about the music but like the amount of thought that has gone into the game so far is fantastic so for example one of the scenes in the trailer shows this creature it's like a tentacled Lovecraftian creature Um, and it's actually one of the cult followers has turned into this kind of horrible monster and in the music they took like this cutesy vocal and have distorted it into this 
completely unintelligible kind of score and it's they suggested that you know it's meant to be like that's actually the follower like and that's the sound maybe they'd be making and I don't know just little things like that that really show that they're putting a lot of love and time into it Mm. I'm really really excited for when it comes out but I don't believe there is a release date yet that's disappointing Yeah. yeah hopefully soon it looks from what I've seen like pretty pretty ready almost but Mm, yeah you can never tell these days I suppose (laughs) and it's pretty cool to see um like just all these different publisher kind of um the involvement on all these different publishers past like Devolver I think were doing I think they were doing Cult of the Lamb I'm not sure but like Annapurna and all that like Mm. yeah these big name publishers you see kind of like doing all this different work all over the world and it's like not just kind of like Screen Victoria so just like that extra level of exposure and attention and kind of promotions like really cool to see actually yeah for sure another game that is out currently because obviously quite a few of these games that we're talking about are on the horizon but not quite yet there um which is actually through the publisher Annapurna which is what reminded me is the artful escape so this one's Uh, by Beethoven and Dinosaur again Melbourne based as most of these games are watching gameplay and the trailer for it it is really like a feast for the eyes and the ears I suppose is the easiest way to describe it what did you think of it I thought it looked pretty insane like it kind of it was kind of hearkening back to brutal legend for me because you know what other kind of epic metal kind of video games do we really have to like rate (laughs) so um yeah yeah no but like it kind of hmm, I'll be honest it kind of looked a little bit repetitive to me that one like I haven't played or anything but it seemed very much um very structured around like basic like the platforming and then like these big epic monsters like and like the kind of big queen like power chords and everything which was really awesome but then it's just like they showed about three or four times in a row in the trailers. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, What's next? Didn't really, it didn't really come. Yeah, it didn't really. It was kind of a little bit of um, desensitization, I guess, by the time it finally rolled around. But um, the quality of it was pretty insane. Like all the different, like the kaleidoscopic imagery of it was just like pretty damn mesmerizing. And like just the idea of it, like the presentation, the very style, like putting the vinyl on, kind of harkened back to like Edgar Wright to me, like kind of like uh, the fantasy, the fantastical kind of like, elements of his films and then just to just to see the voice cast and everything all like the talent involved in it was like oh wow like you know like they had like Lena Headey and Carl Weathers that was a funny one so it's definitely at least I suppose I've only started like paying really deep attention to the local scene in sort of the last couple of couple of years and then even more so in the last couple of months mm. so for the, for me this one kind of like burst onto the scene and I hadn't heard a lot about it but it's pretty big and I like the idea that it's this psychedelic like cross space adventure to find Francis the main character's stage persona and I saw that it was likened to David Bowie going on an adventure to find Ziggy Stardust as a kind of example, which I thought was super interesting. There's probably a reason it's set in 1972 then. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It definitely takes big inspiration from that. And I mean, I'm not surprised. I did also want to ask about 
another game that kind of ties into similar to Cold of the Lamb, the Lovecraftian vibes. So Dead Static Drive. I know you mentioned you loved the look of this one um, as it's described Grand Theft Cthulhu. (laughs) What were your thoughts? What were your takeaways? That was was absolutely my jam. That was really good. (laughs) Um, I'm interested to see um, how much combat might play a part. Not that it needs to, but um, just the idea, like, and how they'll kind of... um, how traversal, like overall kind of traversal will play a part in it. Because I think it's only, they've only shown that one trailer that's out, haven't they? I believe I so, think. yeah. Yeah. And it's all very kind of like slanted, um, not bird's eye, but like kind of... Um, top down, yeah, I think is how they're describing top it. Top down pretty much. So it's like, yeah, I wonder how you really work in the kind of vehicular aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, Grand Theft Auto has been doing that for like, well, had been doing that for like, 25 years ago so it's just like yeah I was getting I don't know if you've heard the game Darkwood I was getting very much Darkwood kind of vibes like uh which is straight up top down much slower in traversal but like you'll be getting assailed from like all manner of like enemies from like you know any part of the screen pretty much so like that bit during when they're walking out like trying to get uh like walking through the forest like with the flashlight I honestly almost expected like I was getting Darkwood vibes like the mechanics like I was waiting for a torch to linger on one side of the screen and an enemy just like a monster just to show up yeah I had a peek just very quickly at the gameplay for Darkwood and I definitely agree it looks quite similar I think it's going to be really cool I like the idea of a survival horror that's kind of retro Americana Mm. vibes at the same time it looks like there's quite a bit of like you know building up your friendships with the other people that are trying to survive as well so I do agree I'd be interested to see exactly how much driving is actually part of it but um once again that one is made in Melbourne mm. as most of these are I did like in the trailer just like the idea that they'd show kind of um like getting the petrol and everything and just that bit when like he's trying to grab it like just like the intensity of trying to stop stop the car like scramble to actually like get your petrol in the car and then drive off yeah, for sure. But also, like, the horror of having to fill up on petrol when there's all these, like, Lovecraftian creatures coming after you just <laughs> horrifies me to think about. Yeah, right. But I think it's going to be really cool. Um, there's actually been quite a few horror games that have come to light, either announced or have come out in the last 12 months. So another one that comes to mind is Conscript, which is by mm. Catchweight Studios in Melbourne. Um, it's a one-person kind of studio by Jordan Mochi. Um, so that's the one that's set in the Battle of Verdun in 1916, and I thought it looked absolutely fantastic. No, that game looks brilliant. Kind of like the retro art style, but like with such a fluidity to it, like really um, works quite well. It was actually reminding me of like older kind of flash games with a similar mm. like older Newgrounds game, with a similar kind of um, not quite aesthetic, but like camera setup and framing and I guess movement and a little bit with the combat. So yeah, it's cool that it's kind of like subtly evolved over these years after like being kind of like underground or like for the past what 10, 15 years. Now we're seeing it with this game as well. And it's like the survival horror elements and um crafting mechanics and all that the doors like the single show of the doors or like with the specific puzzle context it was like all these different elements melded together quite well actually yeah and I think another thing that I like and usually I have some hot takes on games that have difficult gameplay however I really liked that this was 
because obviously a lot of kind of war adjacent games they're often like battle royales and things yeah. like that and it's kind of like it's really easy to shoot and kill people and just go on your way but this one really leans into the I guess difficulty of fighting through a trench and like you don't have all unlimited ammo you don't have full visibility you don't just duck around a corner and regenerate your health so I liked that and the fact that the gameplay kind of pushes you and the game design pushes you to rely on your environment rather than relying on mowing through yeah. kind of mobs of enemies shooting all the barrels and the claustrophobia behind it yeah I was actually yeah. there were a lot of points where like and the sound design actually as well plays a, it seems to be quite well designed from what I've seen in that trailer. Just like the idea of shooting all those, shooting those enemies that were like kind of like kitted out in like metal body armor and just like the teams, the pings that would come off it. And I was like, man, like I wonder how you're gonna be like, I wonder if these guys will be like the ones, the enemies where you turn the corner and they're the ones that you like shit yourself over. Yeah. I think any single enemy that I turn the corner and find, I will shit myself over in the game. So, you know, it's already Probably. got me because I'm a scaredy cat. <laughs> Um, now I did want to touch on a couple of slightly like larger releases that have had some really big kind of global spotlight on them as well. So these are sequels to two Australian made games that are now really, really getting the spotlight. The first one is Hollow Knight Silk Song. So that's coming out soon. There's no date currently, but, um, that's by Team Cherry in Adelaide and obviously is a sequel to the first Hollow Knight from 2017, which is super successful. Um, went really well. I wanted to know what you what your thoughts were on the on the sequel. I actually had no idea that they were Australian until about the start of the year. So that <laughs> one really blew me away, actually. So because just like, you know, that that game, the first one's become so ubiquitous, I guess, in um a certain era, like a certain trend in like gaming coverage, like the Souls-like kind of like Metroidvania type setup. So yeah, it was actually quite refreshing to see that that was coming from Australia. But yeah, I don't know. I wonder how much it's actually going to build on the first one because I haven't played the original Hollow Knight because it just seems like one of those very, very long games. So how, well, how would you say it's kind of expanding on it from what you've seen? Uh, from what I've seen, it's expanding on it a bit so it still retains the main character Hornet um, however she's been captured and taken to a new kingdom and has to kind of navigate her way through as far as gameplay I couldn't confidently say whether they've really kind of branched out but I would assume they will but it definitely seems like it's kind of sticking to the same successful format I suppose so to speak but I, I'm really hoping that they're able to kind of like do something a bit out of the box, even though it is a sequel, because I know there is a very bad trend of games and sequels where they end up just being the same thing, but reskinned. So yep. kind of the DLC that came out um, was quite good, like quite innovative in terms of like the amount of challenge in it and whatever else they expanded on it. So, I mean, you'd have to assume that the sequel is just going to up the ante in terms of that. Yeah, for sure. And I think as well, because a lot of these games are kind of like smaller studios, like this is something that I'm finding a lot of the games that are coming out with sequels. They seem to have, I suppose you might call it a bit more creative freedom in what they do. And there's a bit less, like obviously there's still a focus on the games being a commercial product because at the end of the day they need to, 
really get those sales to continue to thrive and survive and make more. Mm. But there's definitely also a focus on reinventing the wheel, so to speak, and really creating works of art, which I think actually might be my answer for what makes a quintessentially Australian game now I think about it. It feels like there's a real kind of emphasis on creativity, at least in this industry, at least from my perspective, as a result of that. Like there's not like the huge AAA global kind of like competitive market where it's like sales is like the big forefront and you have all the big publishers kind of just breathing down people's necks to like, you know, make the successful product. So Yeah, for sure. And I think some of this from discussions that I've had with people in the industry, some of this also comes from the fact that Australia and particularly Melbourne as well, as we've seen from the amount of games that are coming out of Melbourne as opposed to other places, they have a really good setup as far as funding for indie studios. So for example, big shout out to Creative Victoria who have funded I don't even know how many games, but they have some really good programs there which are helping the smaller studios that maybe if they, you know, didn't have that kind of funding just would not be able to make the games that they're making. So I think that probably kind of helps as well, that creative freedom and not so much of a monopoly. It's not like other countries where you have maybe like three really big companies and then maybe every once in a while you'll get kind of a couple of smaller ones here and there. So I think that probably has a bit to do with it. I did also want to touch on just mentioning Melbourne. So obviously, as I as I mentioned, the game scene here is pretty thriving in Victoria as a whole. Why do you think that might be beyond kind of that funding touch point? I don't know. I think Melbourne's always kind of been seen. I feel like this literally this is just going to get me crucified by every other state in the country. <laughs> but um, I feel like Melbourne is kind of acknowledged as like the creative melting pot of like Australia in general, like not just gaming, like music, films. So I'd say it's only natural that it would that would extend to the gaming culture, I guess, over here. A hundred percent. I definitely think that has a big part of it. And I think as well, like this is something that kind of I imagine happens in a lot of other states. I'm just a little bit biased towards Melbourne, of course. There's definitely a really large amount of collaboration that seems to go on both between studios and just creatives in general. There's the arcade in um, Melbourne, which is, I don't know how thriving they are right now, but literally just, <laughs> a, you know, literally a collaborative hub for like a whole bunch of however many developers they could fit in the doors. Yeah, and I think Melbourne International Games Week might also play into this because a lot of the devs that I've spoken to that have, or, well, people just that work in the gaming industry in general, it's not just devs, they have found their jobs by just bumping into someone at Games Week, having a chat while waiting in a line, and then do you want to work on this project together? And it's really serendipitous, but I think that the just the amount of events that kind of go on here and allow for chances like that maybe might be part of it obviously not so easy at the moment but just in general oh as soon as that opens up I should stand in more lines at game conferences <laughs> I know right for example um GCAP which is like one of the game industry conferences that happened last week um they had a digital function that was like a five minute coffee networking and they essentially a Magel style randomly matched you up with someone else who was waiting to talk you had five minutes to talk do a bit of a business card swap and then they just shot you off to someone else and 
that was in an attempt to recreate that sort of mm. opportunistic, oh, here we are, I do this thing and you do that thing and that would work really well together. So A kind of providence, I guess, yeah. Yeah, definitely. How effective do you think that was? It's really hard to say. I feel like it was pretty effective. So I took part in it just just once because I was very nervous and I was like, I don't know what to say to all these really talented people. But um, they... Lots of people were just really keen to talk about what they'd worked on, what they were keen to work on next. And I imagine for other people that are doing the same rather than me, just a little journalist taking down notes on all the things they have to say, that maybe that would lead to that kind of same thing. But because it's so condensed, it's really hard to tell. I I think a lot of people made more connections, though, which is great to see. I think it, I think it was really good. I think it was necessary to try and recreate that in-person vibe. So obviously another big thing that's happened for games in Australia this year is that the budget announced the tax offset for game studios. So obviously this is not fully coming into effect just yet. I imagine we'll see the impacts of it kind of in future years. How do you anticipate that the benefits of it might manifest, I suppose? Um, I actually wrote an article on that one and talked to a few developers about that. Um, I seem to remember a little hint of cynicism with it regarding certain aspects of it, but just a hint. Ultimately, of course, they thought it was quite good to finally get some kind of coverage or you know, support for the industry after being pretty much neglected for however old our game industry is. It's kind of already starting, we're kind of getting a little bit of an effect with it. If I have my timeline right with Visit, um, which is the theory that it would kind of draw um, kind of like international developers to set up branches here. We're already kind of seeing the seeds of it a little bit, I think, in terms of the whole developers directly being able to use that, the tax offset for their funding and, you know, producing their games. I think that is probably a little bit, because they haven't quite implemented it yet, have they? I don't believe so. Like most budget items, it's a bit of a kind of slow beginning to get it, the ball rolling fully. But um, I definitely think we'll start to see it sort of being utilised more and out there a bit more as the months kind of continue. And I would hope that we do in fact see more international game developers bringing offices here because that allows people to splinter off and then they're more upskilled, they're more able to manage their own projects, which can only be to the benefit of the Australian games industry. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was really interesting that the Australian games industry, so, you know, like it's pretty big here, but I didn't realise just how big it was. So obviously music really copped it hard this year and and last year Um, Australia's games industry is actually bigger than the music industry here so it accounts for like 5.9 percent of the total Australian media and entertainment market um, as of 2020 which PwC reported on I just thought was super interesting it's quite a few billion more than the music industry I would love to know if there's a game that you're absolutely dying to play that's Australian that's coming out that we haven't spoken about. I'm really, really keen for Way to the Woods by Anthony Tan from Melbourne. Yeah, Yeah. so that's really, really awesome. Um, Third-person survival adventure with the two deer on a journey home after post-civilization collapse. I found out that the music is actually by some of the people that worked on the music for Steven Universe, which I thought was just a, a cool aside. It's potentially launching still this year, maybe early next year, but it just looked 
absolutely beautiful. The visuals looked fantastic. I liked the gameplay from what I saw from the trailers. Um, so I'm very excited for that. I'd have to say, well, Conscript and Dead Static Driver right up my alley, but we did already talk about those. Surprisingly, Webbed really took my interest, which was uh, a little bit surprising for me because it like it was very kind of cutesy, very like the retro aesthetic got me. Just kind of the tone and most kind of side-scrolling platformers it hasn't really been my thing for quite a while. It looks like quite an innovative kind of um, uh, side-scrolling setup, like what they're introducing, like the use of physics and one step further with all the character interactions. It really piqued my interest in a way that side-scrolling games just haven't done for me for quite a while, so... Yeah, yeah, well, it actually won excellence in design at the Free Play Awards because of exactly Doesn't these things. Me. I mean, it's no wonder. And I will also excite you by saying that it has already been out a little while and you can play it now on Steam. Yes, I did, so. add, I did add to my wish list and I'm like, okay, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll get onto this like two years later when I finally <laughs> go through my other things. Oh, when you finally go through the back catalogue of games that have come out and you've barely even touched, I feel that. And then you've got like <laughs> two, or three, two or three years worth of other ones that just like keep piling up. Yeah, it's, it's really something. It's seeming like the gaming industry, particularly in Melbourne, but also Australia-wide is really, really thriving, which is always great to see. It's been a really great year for games. And I think next year, which is probably something I'm going to continue saying for time, continuing on forever, next year is going to be an even bigger year. And then the year after that, and the year after and that. And the year after and that. <laughs> Massive thank you to our guest Tim this week for helping us wrap up on another big year for Australian games. Most of the games we discussed today are available on Steam for PC. This episode was hosted and researched by Emily Spindler Carruthers, edited by Jane McLucas, and the producer is Adithi Kuti. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Swin Journalism, Instagram at Swinburne Journalism, or check out our website at theswinstandard.net. Thanks again for listening.